hello everybody welcome 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 to another podcast episode of the remnant leadership podcast i'm your host larry raglan and i'm excited and i'm just so pumped that you are on this podcast with me because you know what that means to me and more importantly what that means to god is that you as a leader are hungry and you are searching out and you are finding voices that can speak into your life that can encourage you because you believe that you're a part of that remnant and every part of that remnant is important but i want to tell you i'm especially talking to and i have a burden for the leadership that's within the remnant you know a leader is so key and i love what dr maxwell says that everything rises and falls on leadership dr john maxwell if you're not familiar with his books and dr john maxwell on the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership talks about everything rises and falls on leadership so that means your business your corporation uh your family your influence in the community and certainly in this podcast your ministry and your impact in this day depends upon leadership i also love his his quote it always makes me laugh when i think about it and i say it he says if you think you're a leader look behind you is anybody following you if nobody's following you you're just taking a walk Well, you know, this podcast is not for people that's just taking a walk. This podcast is for people that are having influence and desire to be used, not for any kind of ego purposes, but to be used to influence this moment, this moment that we've been blessed to be a part of. So I want to tell you, if you hadn't already done that, please follow this podcast. It would be a huge blessing to us. Uh, The more followers we get, the better opportunity we get to be in front of as many people as possible. But the big deal is once you follow it, there's a couple more things that I need you to do. Give us a five-star review, rate or review, whatever your particular app uh, gives you the opportunity and the option to do. And then the big thing is click that share button uh, on your your podcast app and share it with somebody and invite somebody else to listen to this podcast. That is what's going to make a big difference. Let's get into this thing today. So, you know, of course, our our podcast is called the Remnant Leadership Podcast. Uh, Remnant meaning small. Remnant means, um, you know, the throwaway, the cutaway that's left, the part that's left after the garment has been made and and, uh, it's been, you know, put out into uh, circulation and all this. And then there's this little piece of remnant that's left that it's really no, seems like it's no good for anything and it's sort of put off to the side. It's usually small, it's usually insignificant. But I believe in the last day, God is bringing that small, insignificant group uh, that has for so long just been one thing, faithful. Uh, he's bringing them back together, and he's bringing them back together, and he's calling them to something big. He's calling the small, I want you to get this, he's calling the small to do something big. And I'm telling you, the biggest thing that our generation has ever seen for the kingdom is going to come from the smallest group of people that we've ever seen because the remnant is very, very small, but the remnant is very, very powerful. So today's episode is called sweat, the small stuff, sweat, the small stuff. Come on. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes. I'm having too much fun with my toys here, but sweat the small stuff. Now, look, when you look at a ministry that you look up to and has influenced you and and you desire uh, to follow their example and so forth. It's usually once they have achieved some big things, because most of the time you don't really know, especially on a national basis, a regional basis, you don't really know about people that are being faithful in the small things. 
and have, and have quite frankly, um, you know, in, in the in the scheme of in, in the eyes of the big world that we live in, uh, even though they were significant to God, they were you know a lot of small things on a smaller scale, I should say, uh, have been done. So they're not known. They're just sort of like uh, being hid in the in the shadows or uh, set off to the side now, been behind the scenes. Just being faithful. Remember, Jesus said, if you're faithful over a few things, I'll make you ruler over much. But you can't lead much until you've been faithful over a few things. But what I want to tell you is that, you know, we we just desire so many times to uh, be a part of a ministry that's big. We want to follow the example of a ministry that's big. And the truth is, the big ministries, the big influences, the big names, uh, and so forth, they can speak to our lives and they can give us uh, some principles that can help us in our ministry, in our life, in our families, in our business, in our corporation. But most of the things that got them to that place are quite frankly not even really some of the things they're doing now because the bigger you get, the larger you get, the more influence you have. You don't change the the foundation of who you are, but you may have to change um, your approach to what you're doing because it's on a larger scale. But the but it's 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 just like a um, a funnel. You know, you look at a funnel, and a funnel starts out with a very big, wide, open area mouth of that funnel, and then of course it goes smaller and smaller and smaller, and then it gets down to where it's small enough to go inside whatever you need it to go in, whether it's a, a gas tank, uh, whether you're filling up uh, your oil in your vehicle or whatever. And what it does is it enables you to take a large amount of material, uh, liquid, put it into this funnel, and then it just not spill everywhere. But if if it did not taper down to small, it could not efficiently bring into the motor everything that needed to be there. So I want to tell you something that I don't care how big you get. I don't care how big the top of your funnel is. You've still got to be able to bring that down to everyday life. You've got to be able to bring that down to practicality, uh, application for an individual. You know, what good are you in the ministry if all you're ever doing is preaching about gigantic things that are on a national scale, but the people in your congregation, the people in your influence have no idea how to bring that big idea that you have, that big vision that you have, and bring it down to where it can be funneled into their life and it can be applicable to their life. Let me tell you, that's what ministry is. Ministry is about moving upon people and and, and, and touching lives one at a time. Uh, and sometimes that one at a time is, almost, uh, um, is multiplied into the thousands with your influence. But it all starts with that one person. Remember, Jesus said he'll leave the 99 and go get the one. Jesus is concerned about the one just as he much as he is about the 99. So today's called sweat the small stuff. And the reason we call it sweat the small stuff is because we're taught in our culture, especially in the Americanized culture, is don't ever let them see you sweat. Remember those commercials? You mean you go in there, man, I, you, some of you are too young to remember them. But those commercials used to be, uh, it was a deodorant commercial. You know, it just showed these stressful situations that people would be put in and they would just see so be calm and cool and collected. And then it would show it would show a guy that didn't use that particular uh deodorant, um, antiperspirant, whatever you want to call it. 
and he'd come out, come out of that meeting, and his underarms would be soaking wet, and then you know he'd be so embarrassed, and then there'd be this other guy, this other lady, she'd come out just be so refreshed and so renewed, and it was all because of deodorant, y'all. It was the deodorant is just gave them the the uh, inspiration and excitement uh, to nail that meeting. Praise God, and it would always end by saying. No matter what life brings you, never let them see you sweat. And that was that was just a big saying that was years and years ago that was said. And that spills over into ministry where, you know, when you hear somebody saying, don't sweat the small stuff, it's meaning, you know, look, you've got to be a big picture person. Well, I'm certainly a big picture person. I mean, I talk about the big picture all the time. Name of my YouTube channel, my other podcast is called The Big Picture. I have a chapter in my book called The Big Picture. The Big Picture Principle changed everything for me. So I'm a big picture guy. But you can't be a big picture guy without also having a small, um, and not just small, but I guess say keeping your eyes focused on the small things. Because if you lose sight of the small things that God puts in your life in ministry, there's no way for you to be big picture. Because big picture really ultimately is you have found a way to take what you're going through every single day, even the small stuff, and believe that it is pushing you to something bigger than what it looks like in the natural. I remember years ago, my my mentor uh, and my first pastor uh, told me some very powerful things, and they were simple things, and they were small things. I was asking him about success in ministry. I was asking about some things that I could do um, to assure that I would be the husband, the father, the pastor that I needed to be. And he gave me a few principles. And one of the principles he gave me, he was just simple, simple principles should be elementary uh, to every believer, uh, but especially to a leader and a, a pastor is he said, you know, you need to find a way to read the Bible every day. And if you, and if you'll uh, discipline yourself to do something small, take a few minutes every day to read the Bible every day. But next thing you know, you will have read through the whole entire Bible in a year. So he put me onto this thing called the one-year Bible. And it was, of course, back then it was a paper Bible because there's no such thing as a Bible app. But now you can, this, this is on your Bible app, the most popular app out there that's a Bible app. And you can choose different plans. And one of the plans that you can choose is a daily Bible reading. It's called the one-year Bible. And that one-year Bible, if you follow it through in the typical way that it's written, you got a little bit of Old Testament, a little bit of New Testament, a little bit of Psalms, and one or two of the Proverbs. Every day you get a little bit of, of all of that. And then by the end of the year, you've read the Bible all from cover to cover. Well, you know, they've got it in chronological order. They've got it in regular order and all of these, all these different ways you can do it. But that simple thing I began to do in my life. And next thing I know, you know, I'd read the Bible my entire ministry, but I'll be honest with you, I not really ever had a situation where I could read the Bible throughout the entire year. It was a great sense of accomplishment the first time I did it. Now, is the answer that the question has to be asked do i always have i always completed it i'm just being transparent with you guys no i haven't uh i've tried my best but there was times that i would get behind and i would beat myself up and then i would just say okay listen there's nothing you can do about it get back in the game get back in pick back up and start reading have i completed it several times yes i have uh but the reality is this it you know yeah the goal is that we make it but the the bigger goal is is that, you know, when, even when we don't do what we're supposed to do, we stay focused and we get back in there and we say to ourselves, hey, I can't read the whole Bible today. That's the big picture. But I can read a few scriptures today. And those little small things change your life. Zechariah talks about 
uh, a time where the temple was destroyed and, and that the people were in the, uh, you know, they were in isolation. They did not have a place. They were not able to go worship together. They were not able to go gather together. Um, they were depressed. It was a dark place. It sounds really familiar to me right now at the time of this recording of what we just came out of. Many churches are closing down. Thousands of churches are closing down. Thousands of, of pastors are quitting. And, and, People are battling depression. People don't look to the church like they used to look to the church. It looks like the structure of the church is crumbling. Uh, yeah, there's there's a, there's still a church. There'll always be a church. But sort of like in the same uh, vein of what we read in, in the book of Zechariah, uh, the, the Bible tells us that around 537 B.C., uh, there was a remnant of people uh, that were led back to Israel uh, to bring hope to the, to Israel, and and they were they were there in the land, the place where they were supposed to live, and and it started bringing hope. But it was eighteen years later that God spoke to King Zerubbabel and said, "I'm going to give you the power to rebuild the temple." So there was a reigniting of a rebuilding, and I love this. They said, "Get ready to start rebuilding the temple." Listen to what Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 says, because we, we quote this scripture sometimes, or actually we quote a, a part of this scripture, and we use it to deal with uh, different things in our lives that we might be facing this a little bit difficult. We've got to get the context of what it was really about. It was about the rebuilding of the house of God. Listen to what it says in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by my excuse me, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So we're talking about God it was speaking to Zerubbabel that, that God was about to rebuild the temple in a way that he was not going to get credit for. How was it going to be rebuilt? It was going to be rebuilt by the spirit of God. But now they still had a part to play. And in the grand scheme of building the temple, God's going to build the temple. But he still needs somebody to um, chip the rocks. He still needs somebody to to haul the rocks. He still needs somebody to place the rocks. He still needs somebody to dig the foundation. He still needs somebody to clear out the land. I mean, you could just go on and on and on of all the things of construction that had to be built. And And man is building it with their hand, but God is saying, listen, it's not by your might, it's not by your power, but it's by my spirit. So, in one sentence, we have the power of the big picture, seeing that ultimately everything that's happening and the rebuilding and the restructuring of the temple is by the power of the Spirit of God. But there's a lot of small things that are being done by man, by their hand, in the process of that, re that being rebuilt. See, let me tell you something. In your life, God will tell you what he's going to do in your life. He will promise you that in Scripture. You may get that in prayer. Uh, somebody may give an encouraging word to you, speak into your life, and you and you begin to think about, my God, you're really going to do this in my life? Well, if you're not careful, uh, you'll just lay back and expect God to do it. But God still says you have a part to play, and it may seem small and insignificant in the grand scheme of the promise that I've given you. But it is hugely important because if you don't do those small things, you're not going to receive what I promised you. Are you hearing me? See, the Bible says that it is his, it gives God great joy uh, that when his people 
prosper and are in good health, even as their soul prospers. He wants to bless us. But you know what? The Bible says we give and it shall be given to us. It's, it's a big deal. It's hard sometimes to do it when you talk about the real world of, you know, bills and all these other kind of things. But it's really small when you think about it. When you're talking about funding the kingdom of God, when you're talking about building churches, planting churches, supporting missionaries, doing all the things that entails in the kingdom, that's a big, big deal. And your $20 bill may seem extremely insignificant, but it's not insignificant. It is small, but it is huge it, what what it can do when other people are doing the small things as well. Are y'all hearing me? All right, y'all hear me? So, so, so the reality is this, every day, every day is a step. And I talk a lot about the, you know, the, the famous little uh, nursery rhyme story that we heard when we was a child, the tortoise and the hare, you know, the, you know, the, the turtle and the rabbit, which the rabbit was extremely fast and he was very confident in his ability uh, to just sprint and beat anybody in the race the, of course the turtle is very slow but the difference between the the rabbit and the turtle is the rabbit was sporadic full of himself all he was thinking about is you know i don't need anybody to help me i am the man i am the big picture i'm I, i'm everything i don't need to worry about uh getting up early and practicing i don't need to condition myself i'm a rabbit come on we just run we run fast the turtle, on the other hand, he has to be consistent. He has to be persistent. He has to keep just one little small, slow step at a time. He has to understand that, you know, if I don't do the small things, I'm not even, I'm certainly not going to win the race, but I'm, I'm not even going to finish the race if I don't do the small things. But you know the story. The story goes on that, you know, the rabbit would sprint way ahead. He'd be so full of himself, and then he'd be so far ahead, he'd just sit up under a tree and eat a sandwich and just kick back and, you know, watch something on Netflix on his phone and all this kind of stuff. And, and he'd just get so engulfed in himself because he was so full of himself that he didn't realize there went the turtle. The turtle just being consistent. He wouldn't stop and eat no sandwich. He wouldn't even pull out his phone. He just kept doing the small things every day. Kept doing the small things every day. And then one day, you know, he just passes the rabbit and the turtle wins the race. Because consistency and sweating the small stuff, making sure you're taking care of the small stuff, is what wins the race. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Listen to what verse 8 says. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Now, wait a minute. Did we not hear that God said he was going to do it by his spirit? Of course he did. But somebody, he's anointing somebody to lay a foundation stone. He's anointing somebody to do this. So when you begin construction, I, I just recently uh, never thought I'd ever do this at my age, but in, especially in the middle of the, the thing, air quotes, that's going around the world, uh, that had been going around the world, uh, my wife and I, we, we built a house. And we built that house, uh, you know, before we ever built the house, we had to have the vision of where the house was going to be. We had to clear trees, uh, and then we had to mark off the house, and then we had to we had to dream. We had to see it. We had to stand on dirt and see where the kitchen is going to be, see where the living room is going to be. And then then we got all excited because we had prints. We could see the house, what it was going to look like. We had designed it ourselves. Actually, my wife designed it uh, herself, and uh, I was just the grunt in the process, but she was the visionary. But the reality is this. One, 
So we're we're all excited. In, is, is in our minds and in our eyes, we've already seen the completed process. We're ready to live there now. But you know what? They had to dig it out. They had to they had to get those transits out there and shoot those lines, and they had to dig it out. They had to make sure the grades were right. Then they had to pour the foundation. They had to pour the concrete in the basement. Then they had to start slowly but surely framing. And as they're framing, then they had to seal the house on the outside with plywood, put a roof on, pull wire, lay plumbing, sheetrock, fixtures, and on and on and on. It was a long process. But if you skip any of those parts, what would have happened if we, you know, we'd have built the walls, pulled all the wire, got ready to put all the outlets in, and then just hung the sheetrock and didn't put any plumbing in the walls? And tried to get ahead of the game. Tried to tried to say, you know, we don't have time to wait on the, you know, to put all these pipes in the wall and put them up at a certain height and all this for for it to fit under a, a sink vanity and all this kind of stuff. And it just it just looked good to just go ahead and hang the sheetrock. And we just went ahead and hung the sheetrock and finished the sheetrock, painted the sheetrock, put the floors down. Everything looked great. And it was time, and we we brought the vanities in, brought the commodes in, brought the sinks in. They were the space was ready for them. We can't. You could set them in there, but they'd be useless because we we skipped something small in the grand scheme that was actually really, really, really big, and that was to make sure that you included the plumbing. Okay, and I think it's funny that we talk about plumbing where it's not the same thing when you talk about a plumb line versus plumbing. But that word plumb is in my, my next verse. I wanted to read. It talks about the small beginnings, and watch this. This is the most famous verse in the scripture about small, the sweating the small stuff and, and to not devalue uh, the days of small stuff. Watch what happens. This is still talking about uh, the rebuilding of the temple. Verse 10 says, for who has despised the day of small things? One translation said the day of small beginnings. For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the earth. Watch this. Heaven rejoices to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel, a, a, a fleshly man, just a man. His hand, the plumb line, which is what you used to back then before they had lasers and all these kind of things to lay out to make sure the walls were were level, were square. All these different guys, they had, they had tools back then. Then now we have fancy tools, we have digital tools that can do all that. But back then, they used strings and weights and all of this. And by, the, tr- the truth is, and a lot of the things they built back then with those archaic, quote-unquote, tools are still standing where some of the things we're building now are, you know, can't even last one generation. But he says, who has despised the day of small things? See, everybody starts small. Everybody starts small. You start small in your mama's womb. You grow for nine months. You come out. You start small in this world as a baby. You learn how to crawl. You learn how to walk. You learn how to, to eat solid food. You know, then you learn how to have communications. You learn things in school. You learn how to read. You learn how to write. Later on, you learn how to play sports. You learn how to play an instrument. You learn how you learn a skill. You get educated in college, or you learn a trade. You get married. You learn how it is to love someone. You're always growing. You're always going to the next level. But every next level that you go to, whether it's school, whether it's your your job, your occupation, 
whether it's your family that you're starting, everything starts small. Your family starts small, then it gets bigger. Uh, your finances start small, it gets bigger as, as your life goes on. Small beginnings are huge, man. Uh, Solid Rock Church, the church I pastor, um, planted that church in 1994 with 10 people uh, in a storefront building. At the time of this recording, we're in our fifth building. I've been pastoring this church for almost 30 years. I've been in the ministry for well over 30 years, pastoring. In uh, this church, at this time, is 29 years. So you might be listening when it's 30, so we'll round it up and call it 30. 30 years of pastoring. And, you know, the things that we see now, the things that we're able to do now was only a dream in the early days. But we looked at church, we looked at ministries, we looked at churches that were very successful in what they were doing. And we, we yearned for that. We desired for, to, to be great like that. We wanted to have a great impact. Man, how would it feel to have those kind of musicians? How would it feel to have those kind of, that facility? Oh, my goodness, you know, we barely are even, barely even have a, a musician or a singer. Or, you know, our facility is, we're sharing a facility or we're, we're leasing a facility that's falling in. What about me, God? What about me? Well, you know, all you're seeing is where they're at now. You haven't seen where they came from. I remember reading a book one time by T.D. Jakes and Bishop T.D. Jakes, and he talked about, you know, the early days of his ministry when, when, it, when they finally got a building. It was an old abandoned movie theater that had been sitting there abandoned for years, falling in, caving in. I could so relate to that. And as he walks in, he's walking around with a few of his elders, uh, showing them the place. He, fall, he literally falls through the floor. The floor gives way. He falls through the floor. He's, 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 the top part of his, from his chest up, is sticking out of the floor. His, his feet hit the ground. He's, he's looking up from inside the floor and just still so excited, pointing to where the platform is going to be, where the pulpit is going to be, because he had a vision. But, man, you look at T.D. Jakes now and you think, wow, look at him, look at him, look at him. He's, he's born with a silver spoon in his mouth. No, no, no. And man, he went through some rough times, some tough times. He talks about in that book how his power got turned off several times, how he lost his job, and how he thought his marriage was not going to make it because he couldn't provide for his family. But God was faithful, and he was faithful. God's always faithful. But are we always faithful? It's the small stuff. Sweat the small stuff. Because when you sweat the small stuff, God's going to bring the big things. Remember when Jesus said this? He said, look, when you, when you pray, pray in secret. You know, pray, you know, you don't have to be a big time person. You don't have to be a big influencer on YouTube or podcast or on television. Just understand that when you think it's small and insignificant, when you get in that prayer closet, he said, when you pray, get in your prayer closet in secret. Shut the door. Shut the door. Nobody needs to see you. A small setting, you and God. What's what happens? God says, when you go to your prayer closet, pray in secret. And the God, listen, listen, get this in your spirit later. And the God that sees in secret will reward you openly. So he is watching you do the small things. Faithful over a few things, rule over much. He's watching you. It counts. The small things counts. I love this story here. I I tell the story a lot. John Wooten, uh, one of the greatest basketball, if not the greatest basketball coach of all time, coached UCLA to 10 NCAA titles, seven consecutive titles. That's unheard of. Seven consecutive titles, national championships. 
uh, between 1967-1973. Now listen to this. I love this. He says, you know what the first practice consisted of for Coach Wooden? He said he brought the players in, and he didn't run drills. He didn't run sprints. He didn't practice free throws or even passing the ball. This is the very first practice that he brought his, his, his college athletes into. He made them sit down, put their socks on, and put their shoes on very carefully. I'm going to say that again. The very first thing that he taught his players how to do was sit down, put your socks on, and put your shoes on very carefully. Because this is what he said when, they, when somebody asked him, why in the world would you do this? He said, when I began to look at athletes, I realized that no one really ever thought about how to properly put your socks on. Because if you don't know how to properly put your socks on, have them sitting on your feet correctly, the kind of drills that I'm going to put you through, you're going to get blisters. I'd rather you take the time to do the small stuff. Put your socks on correctly. Lace your shoes up correctly. Tie them with the correct tension so that when you get into the big game, when you get in front of the thousands of people, you don't have to worry about limping. You don't have to worry about your game being limited because you did not do the small stuff when it came to, quite frankly, uh, you think about a basketball player, you think about you know what is the most important part of their body. You would think it's their hands and their arms to shoot the ball. But, you know, very, very important, but at least equally important, if not more important, are your legs because you got to go up and down the field. You got to jump. You got to leap. You got to, you know, make quick turns. You know, and if your socks and your shoes are not on properly, that can affect you. And that's what made him a champion is because he sweated the small stuff. He realized, listen, if, I, if our team is going to play at a championship level, I got to care about everything. I got to teach them to care about everything. Man, that is so powerful. He always said the little things are the most vital things. The little things make the big things happen. That was his statement. The little things are the most vital. Little things make the big things happen. Mm, 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 mm. Sometimes the little things really is just one thing. David said in Psalm 27, 4, one thing I have desired of the Lord, just one thing that I may seek, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He had one thing, one small thing to him, which was a big thing. If I don't get to do anything, I'm going to the house of the Lord. Praise God. I love what Paul said about the one thing for him in Philippians 3.13. He said, brethren, I do not count myself to be apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So in other words, he said, you know, there's something I can do that may seem small and insignificant to all of you. In the grand scheme of writing the epistles and writing letters and, and preaching and standing before judges and kings and being thrown in prison and experiencing miracles, he says, the reason I can do all that, the reason I can have that confidence to stand before the most powerful men in the world and, and speak my heart and speak my mind, I can be chained up in a prison knowing that I'm going to be killed the next day and beheaded. And at the midnight hour, me and Silas just begin to sing psalms and, and hymns unto the Lord and the chains fall off. Where does that confidence come from? Because there's something small and insignificant. There's one thing, one thing that I do. I cause myself to forget. I've caused myself to move on from the things which are behind me. And I reach forward to those things which are ahead. 
that just sounds like, oh, that's just a, a, a matter of the mind. Well, maybe it is. But it is a very important thing. And you want to change the world, you can't live in the past. So, so your small thing may be like Paul. Just every day, I'm just going to get up every day. If I do anything else, I'm going to get up. And I'm, before I see anybody else, I'm going to say, you're not the person you used to be. You might not be where you need to be. You might not be where you want to be. But you're not where you used to be. Amen. Praise God. So I hope that this has blessed you. There's a lot more that I could say uh, when it comes to this topic because it's a big, big deal to me. Because I learned years ago that if you're going to do big things, you're going to have to be disciplined in small things. I'm going to be real and transparent with you. I have not always been successful in that. And at my age now, I'm still not. There are some things, you know, like Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I say I'm not going to do, I end up doing. I still battle that myself, and I'm sure you do. But you know what? This one thing, one thing, just get up and start disciplining yourself to do one thing. I heard one man say one time, if you want to really change the world, make up your bed. Get up in the morning and make up your bed. Don't allow yourself to say, well, I'm coming back home in just a few hours and lay right back down in it. No, give yourself a sense of accomplishment. Make your bed up, and you'll leave the house feeling a little bit different. These are just one of the things that you can do. But find something simple. Find something that may seem insignificant, but in the grand scheme of your life, it's big. It's big. I close with this. Philippians 3 verse 12 says, Not that I've already attained or I've already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have been apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Remnant, go do it. Go be the remnant. God bless. I'll see you next time on the Remnant Leadership Podcast. Share this podcast. Appreciate you so much.